Tickets? Check. Popcorn and beverage? Check. It's showtime. Local talk that's moving the needle. From the iHub Radio Screening Room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Hey, welcome back to Flicks and Picks. It's always so nice to do this program. There's always so much in the world of cinema to talk about. And, you know, even if we have to stay at home and watch some of these movies, it's still great, you know. And I I always find myself really rooting for streaming movies now. But I also kind of wish the movie theaters were open. And so I just want to say one thing. Um, From my sources, the Mary Pickford Theater is still doing a pickup or uh, they're still doing um orders so if you wanted to go ahead and do that one thing we talked about last last time on a couple weeks ago they are doing this really neat thing where you can purchase some curbside popcorn and drinks and food and i think that's actually a really great way for them to be able to make uh, pay their employees and they are doing that still you know they are doing curbside pickup from 4 p.m to 7 30 on Fridays and Saturdays. So I think it's actually a really cool and really awesome thing. You pre-order by phone and email. Go to their website for more information, but they are doing this every Friday and Saturday. It's a great opportunity, not only for them to keep their doors open, but to also have their staff work and still get paid for it. I think it's a great thing. What I like about it personally is that it, it feels safe. They are doing a really good an adequate job of providing a safe environment for, I would say, everybody. You know, I th- I think it's great how they have done this thing where um, they can pay their employees, but they've also made it safe safe for people like us because they're doing everything, taking all the precautions. You know, practicing social distancing and uh, wearing masks and gloves, and I think it's great. So when you go there, uh, be sure to call and get and set up set up an appointment for Friday and Saturday and it's going to be great. Um, last time I was there, the lines were long and I don't think that that's a bad thing or actually that's a really good thing that the lines are long because that means that a lot of you are taking initiative and doing good things for our community because that actually benefits the community here in the Pond Springs area in the Coachella Valley. So if you want to support a local movie theater and if you want to get some really good movie theater popcorn, I do urge you to do that. So I'm just going to get you the information right off the bat. Mary Pickford Theater. Go to their website for more information. 4 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Pre-order by phone or email. And they have various uh, packages that you can um, get some really good food, really good popcorn. And, you know, honestly, uh, as weird as it sounds, for some reason the soda just tastes a little little bit better when it comes out of that machine because they have like because believe it or not you always there's a really specific reason why um machine sodas taste so much better because they're so they're consistently cold and they're really cold so it's really just wonderful but that's my that that's what i'm going to say about that please go to their website for more information it's great that they're doing this pay their employees and keeping their doors open we should get movie theaters um, we should we should support movie theaters, keep them open and get them as much support as we can. And if you can't do as much, hey, when they reopen, if you want to go to the movies, that's one way of supporting and guaranteeing that they stay open when things do get back to a little bit more normal. We're not th- going to be at normal, but when we're getting there, but we'll see. 
All right, so I wanted to talk on this show, um, not to go off on a tangent. I wanted to talk about a movie called A Secret Love that's that premiered on Netflix and is being produced by Ryan Murphy about the romance between two women over the course of a 65-year journey. I wanted to talk about that. I also wanted to talk about Taika Waititi um, making a Star Wars movie, and I wanted to talk about what that means and whether or not I'm excited for that. And later on in the program, I'm going to talk about something I learned about the Fantastic Four 2015 movie that came out, um, some kind of interesting developments, and we talk a little bit about what it means when artists are kind of stifled in their filmmaking. And finally, I want to talk about Mrs. America. A, I want to talk about the pilot specifically. I want to talk about my first impression of this miniseries that is airing on Hulu, or actually it's FX on Hulu. That's actually the official thing for it. Um, there, It's airing simultaneously on FX and on Hulu, and it follows, for the most part, the long battle for the for the Equal Rights Amendment during the 1970s as conservative activist Phyllis Schlafly leads an unexpected fight against it while feminists and women's liberation uh, liberationists like um, Betty Friedman and Gloria Steinem actively try to fight for the Equal Rights Amendment and it deals with this sort of clash that the two women have. And it's a very fascinating miniseries, but I'm only going to talk about the pilot because it's not complete, but I'll give you my first impressions of it and then later on we'll follow up with it later on in another episode. But first, let's talk about A Secret Love. Now, A Secret Love is directed by Chris Borland, and it's produced by Ryan Murphy and executively produced by Jason Blum. Very fascinating group of men, but I think it's actually a really interesting story, and I think it's a very heartwarming one, too. And it's real. That's what makes it better, too, is that it's a real story. This one got a lot of love and publicity. It currently has an 8.2 rating on on IMDb. Um and I think it deserves, and I would say, more publicity. It is trending currently on Netflix. I think it's currently at number four. But, of course, that could change as things go on. But we'll, we'll have to see. A Secret Love is a story that started in 1947. Two women, Pat Henschel and pro baseball player Terry Donahue, begin a 65-year journey that is about love and overcoming adversity and just dealing with the sort of issues that couples deal with. And you see them kind of not only overcome the problems that their decades unfortunately had, which were the homophobia, the rampant and casual homophobia, but there's also a lot of wonderful depictions of of how these two women are, how they deal with their family lives and how different dynamics occur in, you know, with your in-laws. I, I think one of the most fascinating things is how one of the women, Pat, um, she has to deal with, with Terry's family. And I think because Terry is very kind of a more sweeter person and Pat seems a little bit more uh, harsher of a person, a little bit more outspoken, it seems that I love the fact that there is this sort of dynamic that um, Pat has with her, with Terry's family. And I like the fact that it shows the real complexity of it, how a lot of Terry's family respects Pat, but that there is a lot of like questioning whether or not Pat genuinely cares for Terry's family in return. And I think that's a very fascinating take on different dynamics that you have with your in-laws and the family of your spouse. 
And I think it's great that we get to see those sort of flaws in those dynamics because for the most part in real life, people will always have a much more complicated relationship with their in-laws than then sometimes we like to admit, sometimes we like to think of it as the in-laws are unreasonable or the spouse is really bad. And I appreciate that this um, documentary goes out of its way to show you that both sides have a real point. It's about them coming to to a compromise and working things out. And I think that because it doesn't deal specifically with flaws, like it doesn't exploit them. One of the things I like about this documentary is that the flaws that happen throughout the relationship are not just because of homophobia. I think that part is well executed in this. But I like the fact that we also look at these two women through their relationship and how different people react to it and how people react to it, not only as a lesbian relationship, but also as just a relationship between two very specific people. How Pat's more outspoken nature can sometimes clash with Terry's more sweet, a little bit more, uh, a little bit less outspoken persona, but she still has a great life story. Um, for those of you who don't know, Terry was actually is um was actually one of the inspirations for the movie A League of Their Own. So if you go back and watch that movie, you actually get to see a fictionalized version of Terry's real life, and now you get the real life here. And I think it's great that this documentary also touches upon that, but that's not necessarily just the focus. It also deals with. Um, her career, uh, her potential fame because of the film, very briefly. And I and to go back to what I was saying earlier, I think it's great that it shows the different adver- the different things they have to kind of overcome in this romance. And I think that's great. And, and I honestly can't say enough and how intimate this documentary feels. It feels like I'm literally sitting there listening to these two people talking to their loved ones. It, it feels kind of quiet. It's almost like the camera is there wanting to be silent and you're sitting there with everyone watching how things are happening and it feels very authentic. None of the people put on big performances. The people are very honest about how they feel about things and I think that that's actually a really wonderful way of depicting real life. It's just you let people kind of live their lives and you kind of observe them. And I think one thing that I really love about it is that it doesn't sensationalize. um, I don't want to spoil it, but I think the ending itself is very relaxed. And I think that's a very beautiful thing is that it's an ending that doesn't over dramatize what could happen. You kind of have an idea of what's going on with one of them, but you don't want to you don't want to exaggerate it it's definitely not something that wants to actively make you weep but it sort of lets you belong in those moments with these people that you actually feel like you're part of the family for a few for an hour and a half and I feel like I learned so much about these women in such in such a short amount of time that it's actually kind of it kind of felt sad turning off um, when w- turning off the tv afterwards because it's like wow I actually got to spend time with these people but I didn't but I don't know them and I wish I knew more about them. And I'm kind of glad that this documentary exists because guess what? That means that they're going to have more interviews and we'll have more to say about these women. And I'm going to be really happy to know that and to experience that. And so if you want to see a documentary that will make you feel like you're part of a family or make you feel like you're getting to know two people 
in such a short amount of time. A Secret Love is a really f- great documentary doing that. It makes you really feel like you know these people. And I also got I also got to say, I really got to say this is just a well-made documentary in general. It lets people sort of observe things and lets people kind of be who they are. It doesn't at all try to push the buttons of the two people. And I like the fact that that while it does have interviews in it, that for the most part, you just kind of live their lives and you kind of look back through narration that feels more like them telling you stories. It, the way the narration is set up, it's almost like the two women are just telling people stories about who they are interspersed with little vignettes of what's going on in their current life. So you get to know who they are now, but you also get to know who they are before. And I feel like that's a great balance in of information. And I like the fact that it doesn't just hinge on the, on the adversities of the past, but it also deals with things that couples have to overcome later in their lives, like health problems or rel- or stubbornness that comes from living your life one way and eventually having to adapt to another form of life. And I think that's actually a really great thing that this documentary is showing. It's not just about homophobia and overcoming that. It's also about overcoming the little things that make marriages what they are, marriages, you know, old age, finances, and just in general, learning to kind of find the spark again. And I think it's a really great documentary. A Secret Love is a wonderful documentary. It is currently on Netflix. Please watch it. It is cur- it is four stars all the way through. Beautiful and moving. It, it, I guarantee you that you will not want to spend any uh, any other time with, than other than these people. You want to spend time with these people for more than just an hour and a half. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about what happened on the Fantastic Four set. Let's talk about it. iHub Radio, reinventing talk radio in the Coachella Valley. Homemade for the rest of us. From the iHub Radio screening room, this is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Now you may be asking yourself, why do I want to hear about a 2015 movie that did not so well at the box office, got terrible reviews from the very start? Um, well, maybe we should talk about that. We should talk about um, basically what happened with this movie. What happened with Fantastic Four? It is one of those movies that it was directed by Josh Trank and it starred Miles Teller, Kate Mara, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Bell as the titular group, the Fantastic Four. And not only did it get really bad reviews from the very beginning of its trailer, it it really did badly at the box office. It only made 167.8 million worldwide, which is not great. Like that's pretty bad. Because the fact is that I, I there are movies out there like that will make that money in literally less than a weekend. In fact, they'll probably make it in two days. And then the rest of the weekend would be double that. It's kind of small potatoes. It really is. And one of the things that a lot of us are spec we're speculating is the idea that this film was kind of destroyed by executive meddling. Now, of course, I can't really speak and say that these are all true. We're just going to say that these are allegedly, allegedly. And then, of course, that's up to you to do further research and then decide if you 
agree with Josh Trank. Now, before the film came out, Josh Trank actually tweeted something that kind of indicated that the film was kind of not his anymore and that he felt that and he kind of hinted or didn't really say that these intensive reshoots that were being done were under his control either. What had happened was that the Fantastic Four franchise, the comics, have always had a very difficult time coming to the screen. And no one really knows why are they constantly failing. So there was, when the trailer came out for this, people, I would say, anticipated that this would fail as well. And the film hasn't built a reputation. The thing would be that, you know, there's always this idea that if a film does really badly at first, that there will eventually be like a cult following or a group of people that will want to kind of generate support for it. Kind of like how Birds of Prey didn't do so well at first, but now everybody's wanting to like, you know, support it. And they want to make sure that the film has a lot of love and, and I, I would say Birds of Prey is just a better movie in general. So maybe the support for that makes more sense that it's underrated. And I can, I can dig that, you know, I actually liked Birds of Prey believe it or not and i and i thought it had its flaws of course but overall it was a fun experience fantastic fantastic four on the other hand it just isn't a good enough movie for anyone to kind of revisit so it was interesting to me that josh trank has finally kind of opened up a little bit more when he did an interview with polygon now it's 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 interesting that josh trank has sort of distanced himself until now and it makes sense of course if you were a director that had a certain vision and the extensive reshoots were not in your control then of course it makes sense that you want to distance yourself so he doesn't say a whole lot but he offers a lot for you to speculate he says that he had released this first cut of fantastic four to fox executives and he actually just said that fox had said that the film was uncomfortable and that they moved quickly into reshoots that the film's ending had to kind of be maneuvered around these reshoots and another thing was that fox actually hired more writers to come up with the reshoot pages for the reshoots and they never actually talked directly to josh trank so a lot of these things so a lot of things kind of happened because of that and they also f and josh trank of course can't talk too much about it because you know he has non-disclosure agreements and he's also felt and he's also distanced himself it's kind of something he's moved on past but this is something he wrote he said, according to according to Polygon, this is what he said. Um, he Trank wrote pages of himself in hopes of putting his voice back in the film, and the pages were dutifully ignored. Trank then and then he went. Apparently, he went to the Directors Guild, and that he felt that he wasn't being respected, and that his union rights weren't being taken into consideration. And he apparently cut a new deal with Fox in which he would re-edit the movie while Fox worked on his own cut on its own cut and both versions would screen for test audiences but apparently these didn't actually happen and he and he described the experience as it was like being castrated as you watch others take over his set and this situation eventually led Trank to removing himself from the Star Wars Boba Fett spinoff allegedly and the latest film, the first one since Fantastic Four, Capone is actually going to be coming out on VO, uh, on video on demand next week. So maybe we'll see how things get better for him. But it seems kind of sad. I think it's a bit. It's really tragic when you have a 
a director who's very dead set on a certain vision get told you can't do this and especially for a franchise that was hoping to do better especially for a property that maybe he felt he felt very passionate about and obviously he wanted to do justice by the fantastic four is a franchise that has not had any luck in the cinemas the ones with jessica elba were bad too now don't get me wrong josh trank's version is bad too but i would say i would love to see his cut of it be released but maybe it's not something that could actually happen maybe it's something that has been it's been edited so much or been shot or reshot so extensively that it's not it's not possible anymore to come up with that cut i don't know i hope he i hope that there's enough to create a version of it i'd be curious to see what he would he would say about his version but i don't know i don't think it'd be an improvement like the richard donner version of superman 2 but we'll see and hopefully his next movie gets better reviews hopefully i'll talk about it um in the coming weeks when it comes out hey stay tuned we're gonna talk about mrs america the latest miniseries on fx on hulu stay tuned live from the coachella valley He calls it as he sees it. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza on iHub Radio. Mrs. America is kind of a very fascinating miniseries because it seems like there's a lot of buzz for it, but at the same time, there's sort of a reluctance by some people that I personally know that are not sure about what to think about a documentary concerning um the women's liberation movement will it be as will it be exciting at the same time be informative i would say yes i actually think it's a really exciting miniseries now mrs america is a nine episode miniseries that's going to that deals specifically with the fight for and against the equal rights amendment that came out during those the movement that started that was around the 1970s now you see it the first episode and later on subsequent episodes deals with one women and their perspective about the equal rights amendment and the first episode specifically deals with phyllis schaeffler um shalafly uh, <laughs> so um phyllis shalafly she is a very interesting figure in this miniseries and she's played by Kate blanchett she is a conservative activist who wrote the book a choice not an echo that she deal she actually leads an unexpected and very troubling fight against the equal rights amendment um and then she has to kind of come up uh and then the likes the likes of gloria steinem and betty friedman um and shirley chrism they uh, shirley chisholm i mean they have to fight back so it's basically this sort of fight between the between all of these women who are in different political facets for either for or against the equal rights amendment and it deals with them having with the ever-growing political climate of the women's liberation movement but it also discusses how these women are treated because of being women uh, how they're discriminated against and how their different perspectives on how they view that i think it's a very fascinating series i actually really really loved the first episode i thought the first episode was in my opinion very provocative and i don't mean it like sexually provocative or anything like that i think it's provocative because it makes you have to look into the from the point of view of phyllis now 
Phyllis Schleifler. Uh, I got to remember how to say her name right. There's there's a recurring joke among my group of friends that I never say her name right. Schleifler. Now, Phyllis Schleifler is a conservative activist who, you know, she, for her, she always felt that she was never really discriminated against, that she always, she's not necessarily against women working out in the workforce, but she definitely still believes in like, um, women and in a woman's place at home is a, is the most fulfilling job a woman could, um, accomplish. She also talks, she herself is also famous for the fact that she is, um, and pro-life. So she's anti-choice and she was very conservative. She was she supported Barry Goldwater. She tried to run for um, for office as a Republican, and unfortunately, she couldn't really win. Even though she will say to you, "It's not because I'm a woman. It's because you know Demo- Democrats six, uh, rigged the election." You know, she will obviously have her opinions about why she didn't win. And even though historically speaking, women have always had a very difficult time you know, winning elections for the most part. Now a Republican woman can win in a red state as easily, a lot more easier now than before. But there's still a lot of things we have to overcome, of course. But again, not a political show, but we're going to have to talk about the politics to to really dissect why this, this pilot was so good. I wanted to say this miniseries isn't done yet, but I do actually love where this is going. I love the fact that this pilot gets you behind her mind and Kate Blanchett does a really good job of making her likable but at the same time giving knowing that we can we understand her logic a lot more through this miniseries than historically speaking because for me personally I knew who she was but I never understood why she would be against the equal rights amendment but this miniseries kind of opened my eyes up a little bit as to why she um she she decided to do what she did, you know, do this uh, this grassroots effort against the Equal Rights Amendment. And I also appreciate the fact that it, it goes out of its way to say that that she herself, you know, she's still a woman in the 1970s. She's still going to have to overcome a lot of things. So I appreciate the fact that it, it, it isn't afraid to show you how different women can face the same adversities but have different perspectives on them and how they can um for the most part come up with different political opinions and you also understand why a lot of women's liberationists why a lot of women in the liberation movement um why they can be unappealing to women like phyllis and i think it's and i think it's actually a very fascinating take on it it's and i think that even though I'm definitely, I was definitely for the women's liberation movement. I still would consider myself a feminist, and I love that word. And I think that feminist, feminist film theory is a very viable theory for film analysis. I think it's great. I think it's great to see how women who don't identify as feminists, who instead use the word feminine, which you know you can be feminine and feminist. I don't know, but um, you can be a fem, you can be a feminine feminist, or heck. You know, it's fine. But it's interesting to see how women like Phyllis would interpret the feminist movement. And I think it's very fascinating that we don't outright villainize her, but we also we give her some time to actually grow as a character, even though she, of course, to some extent is the main villain of this program because she is the one against the Equal Rights Amendment. I like the fact that each of these women 
for the most part is given it is given some time to grow as characters and to really understand how they view things and so i think this is a really fascinating uh, first impression of this program i think you definitely should watch it because I think that even if you're not a feminist, if you're just if you're a conservative, for example, not only will you get a pretty decent look, a pretty decent portrayal of Phyllis, you also get to see how women's liberationists viewed her. And you can kind of see like a very strong both sides argument and how even though Phyllis wasn't necessarily against women working at the working away from home. You understood why she was against it, and you also understood the sort of messaging she led with the women that she that were her supporters. Supporters, and I think that I think this is a great miniseries, and I, I really appreciate the thoughtfulness and the care put into each episode so far. And I think especially the first episode, because I'm gonna just review the first episode for this specific. Um, review and then later on we'll say whether or not the miniseries itself overall works but on an episode by episode case i think it's actually really smart and i think the performances are really good um a couple weeks ago or a week ago actually i talked to bonnie gogallon on her show the culture corner and i kind of gave us not so fair review of uh rose brine's portrayal of gloria steinem I think maybe I should have been a little bit more fairer because the fact is that she does a really good job. She actually does look like Gloria Steinem and she actually does a pretty decent job of depicting her. And I would honestly say that I love the fact that each character on the show is sort of allowed, uh, each performer allows their character to come, come from the pages of history and come alive. Like for example, Uzu, Uzu uh, Aduba, who plays Shirley Chrism, she is so good in it. She fits that part. And so Shirley Chisholm, it's a great impression, but it's also very alive. It's a very three-dimensional person. And I love also Tracy Ullman as Brady Friedman. Frieden, I mean. She's actually really good too. Because for me, I always imagine Betty as a the writer of the feminine mystique, but I never thought much of her beyond that. I thought the feminine mystique was, you know, it's still required reading for feminists. I think that that should still be considered a required reading for uh, feminists in general, men and women and non-binary people, of course. But I think it's, I think it's great that we actually see Tracy Ullman depict Betty so realistically in this program. And I also like the, even the composite characters work really well, like Alice McRae, who's played by Sarah Polson. She is really good in this one because we, we really understand how someone could, because she plays um, one of Phyllis's followers slash friends. We can really see how, how these women can be against the equal rights amendment. We understand how their more conservative views can kind of conflict with what the equal rights amendment wants to push uh, advocates for my, my bad. Uh, and how, the Equal Rights Amendment can seem unappealing to women like her. So it's it's a great way of looking at it. And I also really like the fact that there's also sort of a positive portrayal of Fred Shalafley. Uh, Shalafley. Shalafley. I got to learn how to say that name right. Because <laughs> if I'm going to review this again, I better say that name right. And we can make it into a recurring joke. They actually make it a recurring joke in the actual um, miniseries, funny enough. But I think he does a uh, John Sl uh, Slatery. He does a really good job as Fred, and I like the fact that there's sort of like an indication that 
Fred and Phyllis are kind of a very interesting dynamic. They both work independently and they have their own like hobbies and beliefs and all that. And I like the fact that Fred, you know, for the most part isn't entirely unsympathetic, but I I he's not he he he's someone that Phyllis can definitely overcome in terms of the dynamics between men and women in the household. And I think it's so fascinating how Phyllis was never a feminist, but she, she definitely w- had a lot of things that feminists definitely advocated for, you know, women's employment and all that stuff. And the fact that her husband was very supportive of things, even though he himself wasn't perfect. He definitely didn't think that Phyllis could win even uh, win any seat in Congress, you know. And sadly, I think he might have been right because Phyllis, being a woman, may or may not have been the reason why she didn't get elected, but we'll have to see a history. I think history has kind of shown that that probably was the case. I'm not going to say it was, but it probably was. But I won't say definitively if it was. Well, you'll have to you have to talk to like um, you definitely you know if you're interested, feel free to email my uh, the iHub Radio. Um, I, if you're watching this miniseries, I do want to hear what people think about it. So please go to the iHub Radio um, uh, website. You'll find my contact information because they'll do like the show page. Find my show page. And then they'll give you my contact information so you can send me an email. So, tell me what you think. I really want to know what, what women in particular think about this program. Of course, you can, of course, men, you can definitely say something. But I want to know what women think about this miniseries. It is currently airing on FX on, and also on Hulu. So you can definitely watch it. Um, on, I, think, I think it's going to be on Hulu. It's definitely going to be on Hulu every single Thursday. And it's currently on the sixth episode, I believe. So definitely check it. It's currently on episode seven. So you still have a couple more weeks. May 24th is the final day this will air. So at May 24th will be the final episode. And by then, when I re-review the episode, the miniseries, I mean, we sh- I, should have a, I should get some emails from you. Please send me some emails. I would love to read about what you think about this miniseries. It's something that I'm very fascinated by. This is, I would say, Mrs. America so far, I would definitely say, I'm not going to give it a star rating, but its pilot is definitely really great. It's a four-star pilot. Um, not going to say too much about the later episodes because I, I have seen them, but I'm not going to talk about it until the rest of the show. But my first impressions of the show, I think it's going to succeed. I'm very uh, enthusiastic and eager to see how this develops. Please go watch it. It is currently airing on FX. And it is, and if you miss it on FX, it's going to be on FX on Hulu. Watch it. It's, I think it's required viewing for anybody who aspires to be a women's rights activist or who is a women's rights activist. Definitely check it out. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about more movie news here on Flicks and Picks. When you want to know what happened and why and what's next in the Coachella Valley, come here. iHub Radio the local news talk authority. This is Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Now here's Brian Mendoza. So we have a couple movie news to talk about because we definitely have a lot to talk about, especially considering that this pandemic you know, I know that it's it gets tiring, you know, it really does get tiring hearing about it all the time, but we are in one, 
So we have to discuss it. So again, I like I feel like movie news have certainly dwindled down, and you definitely have, and we have to give I have to give you updates on this because um, there's so much that's going on in the world of movies. All right, so but why don't we just get started? So as you know, Texas movie theaters have actually started to commence reopening in the cup- in the next couple days. They are actually going to try to require rigorous. They're going to say they're going to try to do some airports security style check-ins with um, with in regards to some movie theaters working, uh, um, finally reopening in Texas. So specifically, Austin and San Antonio will be implementing health checks at their doors. Um, this is according to Variety magazine. The Texas governor, the Texas, uh, the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, actually said that he will allow movie theaters to reopen. He actually has currently allowed movie theaters to actually reopen now at 25% capacity. And that movie theaters that see, that will will be uh, that will choose to do so have to take things seriously. For example, the taking people's temperatures. So if anybody is over 100 degrees, you got to go you got to go home. And I get that there'll be people out there that will be frustrated and they won't want to do that, but you know what? We got to if you're going to want to reopen, you got to play by the rules, you know. It's going to sound kind of mean, but you got to play, you know, because it's not about just your health, but it's about the health of others. And maybe you're 100 uh, 100 um 100 degrees uh, fe- it might not even be a fever, really. It could just simply be that, oh, maybe it's hot outside or maybe or heck, it might just be a, like a cold or something or you're not feeling too great or you may be a little asymptomatic except for the de- for the temperature. But again, it's a precautionary thing. And if you want things to reopen, it's, it's just like how my mom said, if you want certain things to happen, you're going to have to deal with the rules and consequences that happen with them. If you want to open things too soon, you're going to have to deal with the accommodations. So if you're in Texas right now and you're like kind of dreading it, maybe you should advocate for, you, you should definitely, I definitely think there are other options. Of course, you don't have to go to the movie theater, but I definitely think that you have to look at it from the point of view of a health, public health. It makes sense. One of the symptoms is a fever. So that's one of the things we could hypothetically keep track of. So if you have 100 degrees, just wait until the next week. It's fine. You know, movies won't go away. <laughs> you know, Maybe wait until I review the movie, then see if it's worth it. Um, it's going to be a mix of older and newer movies for the Texas movie theater. So bear in mind, when you go to these movie theaters, it's going to be like, Older movies with hopefully some newer movies, but they're not entirely sure. I think Trolls World Tour and Scoob might be the only ones that may be premiering, but we're not. But I'm not entirely sure. Uh, and also, customers will be required to wear masks, and there's also going to be um, gloves and masks for the staff, and there's also going to be space out seating, no cash transactions, which, by the way, for some reason, cash non-cash transactions apparently is like a conspiracy theory thing. Like apparently, like it's a conspiracy theory to to control our money. Even though technically speaking, I guess m- money money is an illusion. Everybody, you know, <laughs> as crazy as as crazy as it sounds, it's, money is kind of an illusion. You know, pa- paper money doesn't really have value unless we instill on it. So I don't know. I don't want to drop things like that, but. <laughs> But it's not a conspiracy theory. It makes sense, you know. It's a lot easier to monitor safety when you're not touching a billion dollars, a billion, not a billion dollars, of course, but like a bunch of people's money 
cash and all that, it's a lot safer to just use a card. I mean, I don't know. It's also easier to clean up. So if you, if you, because you can put it in your wallet and then use some hand sanitizer later, wash your hands, you know, and keep it in your wallet and then uh, sanitize your wallet later on. There are ways of, it's a lot easier to, it's for your safety too. So don't make a conspiracy theory out of it. And of course, again, please email me your thoughts. I want to know what you think about reopening. And California's reopening again pretty soon. They're slowly phasing in phase two. But um, phase three is going to be a couple months away. So movie theaters aren't quite there yet here in California. But I'm going to see how it goes on in Texas. Hopefully things aren't too bad. I'm hoping. I I, I hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And the the movie theater and uh, Santico's Entertainment is a movie theater that's planning on opening up. Um, their movie theater brand and they said that they will release like the Goonies and older movies like that so bear in mind that these will be movies that bear, uh, Goonies and Trolls World Tour those are going to be the types of movies that will premiere and AMC has actually said that they are not interested in reopening unless new releases are available so not a lot of big brands are going to be there and according to the UK they're also trying to do like slowly trying to re making pre they're prepping to reopen their movie theaters in mid June. They feel like they've, they've had represent they've had, they've had representatives go to the UK government to slowly try to figure out a way to reopen movie theaters and be considered about people's health. That's so those are some movie theater news I got for you. Of course, as things update, I'll tell you. So Taika Watiti, he is a new zealand actor slash filmmaker he you know his work he actually rejuvenated the series uh the mcu series and the thor um franchise with thor ragnarok which was the best one and he is currently doing thor love and thunder he actually currently won an oscar for writing jojo rabbit he also directed the critically acclaimed mandalorian season one finale and he also played IG-11, by the way, that wonderful robot that shows up in it. And he, after so many rumors, he has finally confirmed on May 4th, which is May the 4th, you know, like May the 4th be with you. Okay, it's a little dorky, but it's funny. Um, he will be currently co-writing a script with Christy Wilson Cranes, who actually wrote the script for 1917. He'll be directing and co-writing the script for a new Star Wars movie. And he will be set to work on the film a little bit after directing Thor Love and Thunder. But, of course, um, this kind of leads into another piece of news in which Bob Chappick has said that he's not entirely sure when um, movie the MCU movies will start to film. But, of course, he says we'll see how the pandemic plays out, you know. But I'm actually really happy for Taika Waititi. I really am because I really want him to succeed in the film industry did a really good job with jojo rabbit so i'm happy to see him directing the stars movie i knew it was gonna happen i had reported earlier but it's confirmed so that's great i'm, I'm glad to hear when rumors are better when good rumors are good so thank you for listening to flicks and picks um i'm your host brian mendoza it's been great please wash your hands stay at home if you can and if you can't stay at home be careful out there i care about you and feel free to email me on the iHub Radio page. I would love to hear your thoughts about Mrs. America, which is, I said, I'm eager to see the rest of it. I'm really happy with it. And please watch A Secret Love. It is currently 
a, the one for it's a four star movie on Netflix. Four star documentary, wonderful. Thank you for listening, and stay safe. <laughs>